Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome back to the Start Church podcast, Beyond the Call the podcast that is empowering and equipping pastors and ministry leaders to protect what God has given them to lead. Well, my name is Zach, and I'll be your host today, and we're so glad you joined us. Well, it's tax season, and if you're like most people, the the thought of filing your taxes can be a daunting task. Whether you're planning on filing your taxes yourself, or if you're looking for the right person to prepare your taxes, it can be overwhelming. And when it comes to minister taxes, the process can be even more daunting. Why? Well, because if churches do not properly handle the minister's compensation and taxes, the, the minister can actually end up paying more taxes than an average taxpayer. But all of this can be avoided by understanding some simple, common mistakes, tax mistakes. That's what we're going to discuss in today's podcast. Our tax team has actually identified seven common mistakes that you can be aware of when it comes to, to, to your minister's taxes. And to help us walk through these seven avoidable mistakes, we have Justin, our lead educator, to join us here in the studios. Welcome, Justin. Hey, what's up, Zach? Thanks for having me on today. Awesome. So, Justin, uh, help us out here. What are these seven common mistakes the ministers are making uh, when it comes to their taxes, and, and how can we avoid them? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, these, these seven mistakes that I'm going to talk about today, that we're going to talk about, um, essentially this data has been extracted from our tax team, uh, mm-hmm. that these are mistakes that they have seen ministers make throughout the years uh, in their experience of serving hundreds and thousands of pastors with their tax return. So these are mistakes that, you know, if, if, if you're needing help and, and we're helping you out with your taxes, our tax team is looking out for these types of mistakes. Um, so we didn't just pull these out of thin air. These are these are tried and true. Like, right, these are, right. These are... So these are actual mistakes that are taken, that ministers have made uh, at some point in time. Awesome. You know. So the first mistake um, is a faulty housing allowance deduction claims. Okay. So oftentimes ministers are under the impression that um, they can claim a housing allowance of whatever was initially approved by their board of directors. Okay. In reality, um, there are essentially uh, the, they're allowed to claim the lesser of, of of the following: one, the fair rental value of the minister's home fully furnished, okay. and then two, the actual cost of providing and living in their home. Okay. So whatever of those two is going to be is the least, that essentially will be what their their housing allowance deduction is going to be. So essentially for ministers, since your housing allowance deduction is based off the lesser of these two factors, it's going to be important that you maintain uh, and, and keep track of all of your housing expenses for the year. Okay, and well, the, what would happen if a pastor doesn't say they don't keep track of all of the, those housing expenses throughout the year? Are there any consequences to that? So when when the expenses aren't kept up with, um, this can lead to claiming more of a housing allowance deduction uh, than what they're actually allowed to claim. Okay, and gotcha. You know, there's and without keeping those records, there is nothing to substantiate or to prove mm-hmm. that this was actually what it cost to live in their home, and that this was the le- the the least of the two. Gotcha. Uh, so, in that instance, when they when they're making a faulty housing allowance deduction claim, it could end up costing them more in the end. Oh, okay, all right. So, well, that's one down. So, what about mistake number two? What does that look like? Sure. So, uh, mistake number two is going to be failure to pay social security tax on designated housing allowance. Uh, so this one uh, can be quite confusing. 
um, initially, but when you kind of think it through, uh, it, it, I think you'll get it. So uh, ministers are considered self-employed for social security purposes. So mm-hmm. essentially what that means is that ministers are required to withhold and pay the self-employment tax of 15.3%. Gotcha. So if ministers, if a minister has not opted out of self-employment tax... He or she is going to be responsible for for paying that. Okay, fifteen point three percent. Right. Okay. So if a minister has a housing allowance, we know that a housing allowance deduction is amount that is excludable from federal income tax. Okay. So typically, when, what happens is when a minister thinks a housing allowance, they're thinking, well, I don't have to pay any any kind of tax on my designated housing allowance. Mm-hmm. However, if a minister has not opted out of self employment tax then that housing allowance amount is still subject to the 15.3%. Gotcha. Give us a scenario sure. of how this would play out. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I got, here's an example, because I know that still may be a little little right. confusing. So let's just say that uh, a minister is earning $40,000, okay. you know, an annual salary of $40,000 from, from his church. And we'll say that the housing allowance has been approved at $20,000. So that $20,000 is not an additional amount of income, Mm-hmm. But it's it's a it's an ex, it's twenty thousand dollars of the forty thousand that is excluded from federal taxes. Okay, yes. so they're having to pay taxes on that. Now, if a minister has not opted out of self-employment tax, then that full amount of forty thousand dollars is going to be subject to the fifteen point three percent tax of the the self-employment tax. Okay, so you're looking at what around six thousand dollars. Right. So okay. that's yeah, it's going to be around six thousand uh, dollars. The, the self-employment tax that the minister will have to withhold and pay to the IRS will be a total of around $6,000, maybe a little bit more. Now, if a minister had opted out of self-employment tax, then that $40,000 would not be subject to the 15.3%. And it's also important to note that the self-employment tax only pertains to the income that a minister earns for the services that he or she renders as a minister. So it only pertains to ministerial income, not any income from, a, you know, if you're a bivocational minister and you're, you've got, you know, you're, you're getting, you're doing some work at the church and you're getting paid, but for the time being, you're having to also, you know, have a part-time job to help supplement your income. Right. Okay. All right. Also, one other important thing to note is that perhaps there are ministers who are listening and they have filed their 4361 mm-hmm. to become exempt from self-employment tax. And maybe they're still in that limbo state where they haven't yet been approved for the self-employment tax, but here they are in the midst of tax season. What do they need to do? So even though if, you're still, if, you're, if your self-employment tax is still pending with the IRS, then it is still imperative that you pay the 15.3% self-employment tax. Okay. Now, what the minister can do at that point is once the minister is officially approved uh, by the IRS to be exempt from self-employment tax, then the minister can go and amend their tax return to get a refund on what they paid in uh, self-employment okay. tax. That makes sense. So if if you're listening and you're a minister and you you want to make sure that you're you're maximizing your housing allowance and that you're you're you're, you're taking that deduction properly uh, and to the full for your taxes or maybe you have questions you know you're kind of on the fence about the self-employment tax you know we do offer some services that that will assist ministers in the process of establishing uh, a compliant housing allowance that is also maximizing that benefit mm-hmm. for the minister and we also offer a service um, and we can answer even your questions pertaining to uh, what does it actually mean to be exempt from the self-employment tax, to be exempt from the social security tax. We can just simply answer those questions that you may have. Um, If you do have some questions or want more information on either of those, uh, you can give us a call. Uh, The number is going to be 844-641-5718. 
Yeah, or you actually, Justin, you can they can email us at podcast at startchurch.com. We'll also be able to help you that way. We would we'd absolutely love to speak to you and, and get get everything uh, set up for you properly. So let's keep moving along here, Justin. We're okay. on mistake number three. What is mistake number three? Yeah, so mistake number three is going to be the misunderstanding of the home office deduction. Okay. So a lot of ministers, and especially uh, this is going to be per- pertain to ministers who are, are just starting their church, just launching, that you know perhaps their church is meeting in you know a school or a storefront. They don't have um, that basic uh, right. office. That so they don't have an with. office mm-hmm. at the actual church, so right. most likely they're going to have an office at home that they're conducting the church business out of. So the IRS does allow for a home office deduction on, on the taxes. However, there are some requirements that must be met in order for that home office deduction to be allowed. Now, I'll briefly go through those four uh, four requirements. We do have another blog um, that talk, you know, talks about, you know, is your home office deduction legal? That goes more in depth, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go over these, briefly go over these four requirements. Uh, that, that first requirement is going to be exclusive use. Essentially, the area of your home uh, must be used for trader business, and it cannot be used for any other purpose. So essentially, uh, if you have an office that you're using for church, that's all it can be used for, exclusive use. That's the first requirement. The second requirement is regular basis. So the specific area of your home must be used on a regular basis for business use, for okay. church purposes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's a you know, regular basis, you know, it's not necessarily it has to be used for eight hours a day, but you're using it on a regular basis. It could be for, you know, Couple two hours a, a day, three hours a day, yeah. couple, you know, that you're using it on a regular basis for church purposes. Number three, uh, convenience of the employer. This means that the home office uh, must do more than make the employee's job easier. Easier, uh, the employee's home office must be essential to the performance of his or her job. To okay. to, to being pastor of the church, it has to be uh, essential for him to have that to have that space. Sure. Uh, and then the fourth requirement is principal place of business. Essentially, the home must be the principal place of business. Um, and furthermore, the home will qualify as the principal place of business if there is no other fixed location where administrative tasks are are being substantially conducted for the church. Gotcha. So basically, to sum it all up, it, they need to have a dedicated space. They need to make sure that they're meeting there on a regular. They're using it on a regular basis. They can only be using it for. Uh, those purposes of, of business, and it makes it th- their job easier, or uh, it's beneficial for them mm-hmm. to get their their administrative tasks done, or or to prepare for sermons, or whatever it is that it helps them to to achieve that goal. Is that right? right? Absolutely. Right, cool. Well, uh, so what's the the fourth mistake uh, that that our listeners should be aware of? Sure. So the the fourth mistake is really going to pertain to ministers who are bivocational. So it's the filing of two income tax returns. So what we mean by this is oftentimes ministers who are bivocational means essentially they're receiving uh, multiple W-2s, perhaps. Maybe they're receiving a W-2 from the church, and perhaps they have a a part-time job, and they're receiving a a W-2 from that part-time job. Now, just because you receive multiple W-2s or tax forms doesn't mean that you have to file multiple tax returns. Gotcha. So, so essentially, one for your, your, your day job and then one for the church. You don't need to file them separately. Right, you're not going to file them separately. Essentially, okay. it's, you're, no matter how many tax returns you get, you're still just going to file one income tax return. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, and that's, that's something that our tax team has seen, is that you know, they think that, well, I've got two, two 
tax forms, two W-2, so I have to file two tax forms. That's not the case. Essentially, they're going to be compiled, and uh, only one you know, 1040 is going to be filed on okay. behalf of, of your tax return. So in short, just basically make sure that you're, you're filing one tax right. return each year, not, no matter. Right. So if you're doing it yourself, like if you have a tax prof- professional who's helping you out, they're obviously going to know. But if you're the kind of, of individual who's like, hey, you know, I've got this, I'm going to do this on my own, just make sure that you're not trying to file two separate tax returns because one most likely will get rejected. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about mistake number five? Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, mistake number five uh, is uh, pertains to uh, spouses each filing tax returns as head of household. So, uh, in essence, how you choose to file your tax, how, how you choose to file your taxes, excuse me, actually does matter. So, especially when it comes to uh, married couples. Okay. So, Typically, if you're married, you're going to file one of two ways. You're going to file married filing jointly, mm-hmm. meaning that you're going to file together, but you're going to file one tax return, Instead or you're going to file ones. married filing separately. Right. So that means you're going to file one, and your spouse is going to file their own tax return. Exactly. However, what happens is if you if you and your spouse are filing separate tax returns, you're having to claim that you're married, but only one of you can claim head of household. Okay. You both can't claim head of household. So if if you're, you know, the head of your house, and you're going to claim that on your taxes. Then your spouse cannot. Okay. Um, typically, what happens is if you decide, if you do that, and and you both try to file as head of household, that mm-hmm. can be viewed by the IRS as a fraudulent act. Mm. Um, and if caught by the IRS, then there there have been instances in which taxpayers may be convicted of fraud and incur uh, penalties and even perhaps prosecution. Oh wow! So so for example, if if I were a pastor. And me and my wife are going to go file our taxes, uh, and we're going to file them separately. She cannot claim head of household, but I can. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. All right. So, Justin, uh, what about mistake number six? We're kind of moving along here. So, what's number six? All right. So, st- uh, mistake number six really is really only going to pertain to those who have children in college. So, uh, our tax team, our tax team has seen instances in which ministers are going to file their taxes and. They're, they're claiming their, their college-age children on their taxes as dependents. However, when they go to file, they learn that their child in college had filed an advanced uh, tax return claiming him or herself. Uh-oh. Yeah. So <laughs> essentially when this occurs, and even without your knowledge, your, your exemptions become incorrect and other problems can arise, such as your tax return being rejected because your child uh, you know, was told by a friend at school or perhaps... You know, there was a booth and someone saying, hey, come and file your taxes today. You'll get this return. You can go on spring break, yada, yada. And get and all this money in your like, pocket. Oh, great. I'll yeah. do this. I'm an adult now. I'm right. on my own. <laughs> right. So, no, make sure you have a conversation with your child who's away at college saying, hey, you, you don't need to file your own tax return. We're still claiming We're you claiming on ours. We're claiming you. Correct. Don't, don't do it. Yeah. Right. So, so that mistake can be avoided by a simple conversation with your, your child in college. Exactly. Okay. So we're down to the final one. We've made it all the way to uh, mistake number seven. So what is that last mistake our listeners should be aware of? Right. So uh, m- mistake number seven is going to be neglecting to send in a 1099 uh, from a brokerage firm. So in today's day and age, many pastors have investments in stocks, bonds, and other various uh, investment accounts. So depending on your type of investment, you may receive a 1099 in the mail from the brokerage firm or the investment group. So you want to make sure that should you receive uh, any sort of tax document from your 
your investment group or your brokerage firm, even if you don't make any money, make sure that you hand, you give that you provide that to your tax professional, just so that they can properly account for that um, and, and 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 go from there. So make sure you don't just discard that. Sure. And think that hey, it's not important. But you want to, any kind of tax document, especially if you get it from a, a brokerage firm or any, any other uh, institution, that you'll want to provide that to your tax professional. Just make sure you have all of your paperwork ready to go. Right, absolutely. Well, thank you, Justin, for all this information. I think, uh, I think we've provided them with some, some great information. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Zach. And I hope that today's podcast has been helpful in, in avoiding some of these common mistakes when it comes to ministers' taxes. It, it can be confusing. So uh, I hope that this podcast has given you some clarity. And as Justin mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, all, all of these mistakes have been pulled from the experience of our tax team here at Start Church. As, as we've been able to help pastors over the years, thousands of pastors prepare their taxes and answer questions and able to, uh, and giving them the best benefits that, that are, are, are out there for them uh, when it comes to taxes. So if you have any questions or you're looking for a tax preparer, preparer who understands all the benefits given to pastors, then just please give us a call at 844-641-5718, or you can email us at podcast at startchurch.com. We would love to assist you in getting your taxes uh, filed correctly with these things in mind, these mistakes that pastors uh, can avoid. We, 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 we have those in mind, and we want to prepare those for you. So uh, give us a call. Well, thank you again for joining us today, and we hope that uh, you join us next week for another episode of Beyond the Call. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.